Hello everyone, welcome to Beyond the Adventure, a podcast exploring why people took on their own unique journeys and what they learned from their experiences. My name is Gareth Brown and thanks for listening. Hi everyone, today I have Zoe Catchpole join me on the podcast. I found the conversation with Zoe super inspiring. We pivoted around Zoe's Ironman career, where she's completed four over the past 10 years or so. We discussed the early motivations, especially when she first made the decision to participate in an Ironman 18 months after giving birth to her twins. And we also touch on where her competitive drive comes from uh, and we really tap into what the most critical aspects of training are for something as extreme as Ironman, both in the physical and mental sense. All right, Zoe, we are live. It's uh, lovely to meet you. Thank you, and you too. Yeah, uh, I've really, really enjoyed um, reading your article from on The Guardian from like five years ago, I think it was now. Uh, yeah. But I've read it like four times now. It's marvellous. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that like it was just like a wonderful blend of um, talking about the aspects of training uh, for an Ironman, but also the family life, um, and I think some of the quotes that came through was like, even training for an Ironman is not necessarily about the race to the finish, about, but it's about the race to the start line. But the thing that really stood out the most and, and which just set the scene the best, I think, was uh, you mentioned, I only have two rules, never miss a training session or a bedtime story. Uh, and I think that is just like a wonderful way of summarizing what seems like a really, really difficult um situation to be in but also a very exciting one in that training for something like an Ironman while having a full-on family life especially with two young children uh, yeah it must just be it must be difficult but before we go into some of that can you just almost provide a bit of a summary as to what you've been doing these last kind of few years yeah absolutely I mean basically every two years I say I'm never doing another Ironman again and then I do another Ironman so yeah that's what <laughs> I've been doing for the last sort of 10 years really um no I so when when the girls were so I have twins um they are now 11 when I started the Ironman journey they were 18 months old Wow. Um, and I was probably the most exhausted person alive. I'd had like five billion colds that had all come back from nursery because it's just like a petri dish of disease. Um, and I thought it'd be a really good idea to do uh, an Ironman, um, as you do when you're in that state. And uh, so Ironman I did. Um, and it, so I decided, right, I'm going to do my first Ironman and... Um, uh, I, I entered Copenhagen. Um, that was Ironman number one. Uh, that was yeah. 2014. Um, wow. And I did quite well. And then I thought, oh, I'm not really done with this. I, I want another go. So I did Vichy mm-hmm. in 2016. And then I got hit by a car in 2018. So I didn't do one two years after that. Oh, so shit. I did one in 2019. Wow. I did Barcelona. And wow. then last year I did Italy. So I've done four. Amazing. Hey, like, congratulations. It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I, <laughs> I have friends, I have, I have friends who have been doing triathlons since they're pretty young and they start out with a print sprints and then some of them like worked up to a, like a half Ironman, but even still like 10, 15 years into their careers, they're still not necessarily thinking about doing a full Ironman. <laughs> so to yeah. go from, uh, to go from, um, 
what also in your article actually you mentioned because it feels a little bit like even though you've got a, it sounds like you've got a relatively good ish background in terms of running especially in school life probably broke away a little bit which would be good to touch on maybe why some of those sports fell away but 18 months after having at twins how did that come around so i mean the ultimate motivator and i've sort of been thinking about this over over the years and there's been many subsequent motivators of of it is um so i did have a pretty high powered job i had twins didn't have that job anymore signed an nda mm. um and then ended up just basically having very young children and not having much of me left um pretty much looking after kids throughout um i was absolutely exhausted because um, as any mother of twins will know or even father of twins actually uh, sleep is not high on the agenda for these small children so as soon as one goes to sleep the other one wakes up and it's literally like that so i just sort of felt oh do you know what all i'm doing is just looking after these children i don't even know who or what i am anymore i've now got to find Mm. a job i found a job that basically was exactly the job I'd been doing like 10 years before. So, you know, I just felt like, oh, I just need to hit something here to show that I've got what it takes. I know, I'll do an Ironman. Um, So (laughs) um, I was kind of going back to doing a bit of swimming, I suppose. Um, But like not, not massive amount, but then I suppose you have to kind of compare that to what is normal, which I can't even remember what's normal anymore because I swim so much. But um, <laughs> So I assume like maybe an hour swim a week with this little group that was in the local pool. Um, yeah. And that, that started progressing a bit. I did a lot of walking because, as I said, my kids didn't like to sleep, but they always slept if you walk with buggy. Mm. So I probably spent a lot of time walking every day. Um, and I wasn't really biking at all. Um, so, yeah. That, wow. that was the level of fitness. It was pretty low. Yeah, you are. And and I think it's even just a different element of the way that you were participating in those sports, I guess. Like, even with your swim group, I'm assuming it wasn't, like, a competitive situation where, like, you're, like, going out there and you're trying to smash each other on the different laps. Like, I feel like it's more just, okay, there's some nice time for me. When you're in the water, your brain will be a bit kind of freer. Uh, and, and as you said, when you're going for a walk, again, you get a bit of respite in terms of what it would be like uh, to, to bring up a couple of kids. So to go from that to the competitive element is is pretty extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing about Ironman is that it's not competitive in a way other sports are competitive. Mm. So, yes, you are competing because there's obviously, you know, you either come first, second, third, fourth, blah, 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 blah. But it's... It's, it's slightly different. There's no kind of race against anything. You have your own goal that you want to to hit. And my my only goal on my first Ironman was to finish. Um, yeah, I can imagine. So, I can imagine that's most people's uh, goals when they first do an Ironman. Just, yeah, like the around? finish line yeah. is a, is a good. I mean, yeah. I mean, and to start, which we can talk about a bit more. Yeah. But, um, you know that that's your goal, and and because it's such a long time. You're never really, until like maybe the finish line, you're never really racing anyone apart from yourself Mm. and how much energy you know you've got in the tank. So there's no point me getting embroiled in a big old scrap on the bike with someone because, you know, I've got to run a marathon after that. (laughs) It's a long way. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I think this is what I've enjoyed most about summer sports since being in Switzerland. It's not to the same extent, but like when you do certain like trail runs, especially some of the ultra trail runs, you can't predict any type of time, and also nobody ever even asks you that because it depends on the weather conditions. It depends on how you're feeling that day. But you never feel. I've never felt um, good or but like I've never felt bad about regardless of where my position even would be. I wouldn't even look sometimes because yeah. it's just yeah. uh, you're just out there like for the for the elements almost and just to test yourself a bit, uh, which I think is something that it sounds like you're reflecting on quite a lot when it comes to the yeah. Ironmans. It's probably because I'm just so average at so many things that I figured if I could <laughs> throw, throw more of my average together, I might get somewhere. No, I mean, when I was younger, I used to horse ride. So, and I did, um, I did eventing. So I did the the dressage followed by your cross country, followed by your show jumping. So mm. kind of had, was used to doing a multi kind of discipline um, sport. Yeah. And um i had done some tri- triathlons before i had kids but they they were very short um and and i'd enjoyed that but actually um when i did my i did the london marathon years and years and years ago and i did it with a, with fractured shins um having oh been told not to run i mean just hairline fractures like little shin yeah. splinty things and having been told not to run and I hadn't trained and, and I got round. So I knew I could do things I didn't think I could do against the odds. And after that, I was like, well, I probably need to not just focus on running, but maybe spread it out a bit. So if I'm injured at one thing, I can do something else and not get bored. So yeah. there was that. And I'd been aware of Iron Man for a while as like the ultimate of the ultimate, because that's what it was set up to do. Like, what is the yeah, ultimate exactly. challenge? between an incredible bike, um, a cyclist, sorry, an incredible swimmer, an incredible runner, right, okay, what is the hardest thing? Well, let's all decide by doing something really horrific and trying to see who's the best at it, (laughs) which started out in Hawaii, and that's why the world champs are still there. Um, So it's like, it's a bit of a legend thing to do. I mean, to be fair, these days, everyone's in Antarctica in their calf, but, um, you know, (laughs) Back 10 years ago, less so. It's still the tens of thousands per year, right? It's still not many, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think only 10% or something of the population can or will ever do an Ironman. So um, I think it's something like that. So it, yes, while I I seem to think, oh, there's more people doing this every year. Like, you know, when somebody likes your band that you've liked for years and suddenly everyone's doing it, you feel a bit like, "Hmm." but actually, yes, in reality, probably not that many. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think, uh, again, in proximity-wise, especially over here in in Switzerland, the kind of ski touring, ski mountaineering element, bit of the climbing, and then also the ultra trail running is, like, booming, like, right now. And and you can see, like, a difference between the people who have been doing it for, like, 10, 15, 20 years, and it's, like, a weird mix. Everyone's so generally excited, especially when you go to an event, because it's cool, and everyone is, like, got a good energy, but you can kind of see a little bit... Yeah, the ones who've been there and done it for for a number of years and have found um, yeah with the battles and now and yeah and now there's like all this extra investment and like some people are a bit like kind of anti UTMB yeah that's over in Mont Blanc I've seen, yeah I've watched that a bit yeah there's a lot of that actually in endurance sport these days like it's the kind of whole oh you wear a wetsuit to swim and you don't it's like yeah I wear a mm. wetsuit because I will go blue and probably die if I go much under twelve <laughs> degrees in a lake so <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so almost take me back a little bit to 
that decision making process 18 months in so was it kind of a you talked about knowing that you needed to do something for yourself uh there was definitely an element you're probably missing some of the kind of extra challenge that came with the demands that came from your job previously probably also just elements of getting fit and things but where were you i think you met uh, your coach fiona at some point was it kind of a trigger moment when she said, hey, like Iron Man could be a good thing for you, or was it something you were fully aware of and that was just kind of the final the, the final so, thing that kind of triggered you to go? Like, like, how did that all come together? So I'd um, I'd started kind of trying to, to train for it on my own, mm. and I had just randomly entered it. It was as simple as like, right, that's it. I'm doing it. I just need to do something for myself. I, I need a goal. I need a focus. I really need a goal. Yeah. I am a goals person. I'm that person that is like, right, if I don't have a goal, there's no structure to my life. I just need a goal. Um, and so I had entered it. And then I was like, well, hang on a minute. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing here. So I went out and I did this really long, and I was getting some advice from sort of not real coaches, but just people who knew a bit about it. And I think that can get you into a lot of trouble because there's a lot of overtraining. Mm you've got to be really careful with Ironman. There's no point rocking up at the start and being absolutely wrecked because you've overtrained. And and I was getting into that place pretty early on. And then Mm. I was just like, you know what? I can't do this. And I, I started swimming for Teddington masters um, and swimming with that squad on a Saturday morning. And I met my coach in my lane. So Fiona Ford, she's an absolute rock star. She's, she's won all sorts of ridiculous world championships. She's, um, (laughs) you know, been out in Hawaii, podiumed, all of that. Oh, wow. And uh, I sort of said, look, this is this is what I'm trying to do. And she was like, yeah, you can do that. You absolutely can do it. You know, no problem. And I think we had about 12 weeks to put it together, like a proper training. And at the point, wow. I, wasn't, I wasn't even really running. I was literally running for um, nine minutes and then like walking for three, running for nine. And she was um, incredible so she realized I had what it took she watched me on the bike she knew how I swam because I swam with her yeah um running she was like well let's see what we can do and we had to accelerate the running really hard really increase the distances pretty quickly um so she got me all sort of so we sorted out my heart rate zones right this is you've got your run it you can run all day at a certain heart rate you can theoretically run all day because you've got it in the tank it's there so if your heart rates off up slow down bring it back and so it was a very logical way of progressing and it was just about putting the work in and putting the work in is just something i'm very good at i'm a hard worker by nature i I just am it's just a massive work ethic i've got a family with a massive work ethic so i just worked and she ramped it up and I worked and she ramped it up and I worked and we just carried on wow. like that. And it was incredible and it shouldn't have happened. And I shouldn't have managed to do that in 12 weeks. And she must be some kind of magician. But not only did I finish, but I was in the top 10. So <laughs> it's yeah. like... Yeah, that's incredible. Like, I, yeah. So you, it was really 12 weeks from almost that beginning of the, of the training plan to, to getting into the race i mean it, it's yeah like, no absolutely that, that is seems exactly so what it was. short i mean i was 
I had sort of done my own thing of ramping it up. So I was swimming three times a week. I was, my yeah. running wasn't great. I was doing a good chunk of biking, um, like going out at the weekends. And I remember, like, I didn't know where I was going and I'd set off to the Surrey Hills, which is the wrong thing to do because I was racing flat. <laughs> so training in the hills, not so good. <laughs> um, so and and I get completely lost and and uh, like come back and I I, di- I didn't have any fuel I wasn't fueling it properly so I was like stopping oh, for gosh. a can of coke and a Mars bar at any shop I could yeah. find it was sh- shocking how I was proceeding with it and and like fee was incredible because it's like okay let's have a look at your nutrition you probably need to <laughs> quite a lot of food on the bike it's like oh, okay <laughs> wow um, but, yeah. Uh, so yeah that was a, a 12 week turnaround that's amazing and, <laughs> and through that through that training what were some of the most difficult parts and I can almost imagine it in some ways not necessarily being the training itself sometimes it's just managing the time yeah I mean it's really funny because when I had more time in my life before kids mm. um, when you've got all the time in the world and you're young <laughs> I didn't manage to fit hardly anything in. (laughs) And then as soon as you've got kids, especially twins, like if you want all of the world's problems solved, ask the mother of twins or triplets or, (laughs) you know, we'll we'll totally get it done. You suddenly become really efficient. Um, Getting up early was... Yeah. So I would get up at 4.50 every day and bike, bike commute. So that's two hours in the bag. So playing the commute smart, even though it turns out commute is quite dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, actually uh, that hour and then coming back a bit earlier, that's two hours in the bag right there. You, you know, the trains are actually less reliable than the bike. So actually in a way that's, that's great. So three bikes a week, yeah. that's, um, that's 32 miles each day. That's a lot of biking tick. Um, the running, I used to do the same. So I'd leave my stuff at work and run home. And then you, because you know how long everything takes, you can always be at the nursery gate and pick up when you need to pick up because I was doing the pickup. That, that's no, yeah. like my husband did the drop off. I did the pickup. That was my job. So I could always be there because unless I got a puncture, which is really unlucky, but equally a train can stop or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. That, yeah. that was built in. So actually just trying to build it into your life makes it a lot easier. I think where it was really tough would be, so it ramps up to like the last sort of four weeks of peak, you're doing about 620 miles of biking in total over that four weeks. I think it's about 150 miles of running and about 12 odds hours of, of swimming. It like wow. It is really exhausting and that's yeah. the really hard bit. So the hard bit is getting up on a Saturday early enough to get back from your bike to actually see the kids and so when you get back you are exhausted so bear in mind you've you've probably done i'll have i'd have done 90 minutes of swimming on a saturday morning come home eating breakfast at about eight o'clock been out on the bike then get back somewhere mid to late afternoon so like six hours maybe out on the bike um and get in you're really hungry and you're not necessarily feeling like being fun in any way and you've got like yeah. these 18 month old kids who just want fun mummy they don't understand that i just want to lie on the sofa possibly even just face plant the sofa and stay there for many hours 
And so you've <laughs> just got to keep going until they go to bed, at which point you can kind of pass out on the sofa. That was hard. Just being able to like not having the opportunity to just lie down and then the next day you get up it's a Sunday and you've got to run for four hours and it's just that's just really hard I remember one of the hardest times was um I'd done my Saturday workout but I was working um so I was at Sky News at the time so I was working Mm. an early shift at Sky so I was then in Sky about six in the morning and then I had to run home in the afternoon and I was like that that's my only opportunity to do a four-hour run so I'd done the the swim and the bike on Saturday got up really early on Sunday done a full day's work and had to run home and it was ridiculously hot it was something like I think 32 33 degrees I didn't have enough water on me it was horrific and I remember just piling through the front door like my eye I was just crying I was crying basically and I just said to Steve get the kids out of the way they don't need to see this because they're worried and I just went upstairs ran an ice bath got in it <laughs> just like oh, oh my gosh it was brutal that was really hard that was a hard but yeah I mean that's that's what you take so you know Fee and I have discussed this a lot um, my coach and I have discussed this a lot but what you take is those moments where you're like, I cannot do this. This hurts so much. This is ridiculous. You take those into the race and you use every single Mm. one of them. And you have a lot of those kind of moments, but you do, you draw down on every single one. Because if you can do that, and that will have been my last long run off the back of four months, uh, sorry, four months, four weeks of doing it Mm. at that level. Yeah. It it ramps up at that level. If If you can pull that out of the bag, in that condition, then then you've got the race. You'll be fine. Wow, that sounds pretty tough. Because <laughs> also, <laughs> I guess you're I guess you're only having one one day max of rest. But even then, it's kind of you're probably yeah. in like full on mum mode, where sometimes the well, energy taken out of that yeah. is arguably more sometimes. <laughs> like I mean, sure. the, the rest day was a Monday, and I was at work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get up, you get away. You like it just. Um, yeah, I mean, or, or I think actually with Cop- that was Vivici at Copenhagen. My rest day was Friday. And yeah, and you're right. I was with the kids all day because it was the day they didn't go into nursery. That's their mummy. Yeah. Day. It's like, wow. Yeah, let's watch the Optimals. <laughs> and I think for, especially the prep, like, I think that when you first sign up, you must mentally know like this is going to be really tough. But then when it really starts hitting you, it must be a very different reality. Like, was there a, a point during that, especially that first one? where you thought, uh, like, why am I doing this? Like, I, do I want to give up? Or did you even have any situations like, uh, I can imagine, uh, and I've done this before, where I've signed up for something and I've maybe got a really good support network around me, but some of them are super close to me would then just be like, hey, you don't need to do this. You can just, like, no, you don't need to prove it for anybody. You can, you can just, you can stop the training. Like, you can maybe do it next year. But I can imagine in your situation, I don't know, I'm wondering if anybody would have said that, how would you have reacted to that? But yeah, were there moments during that time, especially the first one, where you either yeah. question yourself or maybe listen to somebody else question it for not, you? Not the first one. I was absolutely determined to prove commitment, ability, that I had what it oh, takes. I love that. You know, yeah. like 
all of that. The first one, it was like, you know what? No. Even though I didn't go about it in a brilliant way, you know, I trusted the work that I was doing with Fee and there was yeah. no, no one and and certainly no one in my uh, my family, like my my family, are probably quite similar to me, so they would know. Like, no, you you've seen the goal, you know where you get. There's nothing. There's no, you know. Subsequently, yes, I've had the. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. You've done it once. Comments, um, and it's just kind of not the point. I'm not really trying to prove anything to anyone. I'm mm, genuinely yeah, yeah. fascinated after the first one. The first one was definitely to prove a point. It was like, right, Yabu to you, women can actually do amazing things, have children yeah. and knock it out of the park. So in your face, everyone. Um, but but following that, it was like, do you know what? The human body is incredible. And just being feeling your body at utter peak, like when you are racing, you are at the peak. That's it. You've tapered down. Yeah. You are ready to go. And just, it's, I can't, I'm not, I'm not explaining this very well. I'm going to try and explain it is what I'm going to do. <laughs> like when you feel everything working in that almost perfect way, and no Iron Man's perfect because you can always do something better, but your body is doing incredible things. It is incredible that for 11 hours, it is going to max out. You are going to sustain yourself for 11 hours of exercise, really difficult physical exercise, which starts with a massive bun fight in the water with elbows everywhere, um, <laughs> moves on to a bike, which can be really technical. And I've had um, it at Vichy, I had uh, this guy literally somersault over the top of me and crash in front of me on this oh my gosh. Um, roundabout, which was like, well, what the hell? Um, and and Italy was the most dangerous that I've ever seen and you know you're there just to, oh I'm just gonna eat another bit of flapjack and then I'm gonna get off and I'm gonna do a marathon and I'm gonna run and it's gonna hurt like hell but I'm gonna do it and you're just like my body did that that's incredible I just kind of want to see what it can do and yeah you know it and that's what keeps me going that's why I've done four that like well mm. what can this do what can this human shell that I'm in do yeah um, but you know, and also you're a long time dead. So my my dad died a couple of years ago of Parkinson's, um, and I don't know, you know, how much people know about Parkinson's, but it's absolutely brutal. It completely yeah. messes with your movement. It stops you moving. So my dad used to be a rally driver, squash champ, wow. like absolutely fit, one of the most physically fit people who who you would think, God, he's going to live forever. So he yeah. gets a neurological disorder. Not so much are you going to live forever. And it affects his movement, which is brutal. So actually, yeah. if you don't make the most of what this, this human shell can do, these muscles, these bones, everything that connects it, if you don't go out there and and have some fun <laughs> to, to see what it can do, well, you don't know what's around the corner. Like, don't miss the chance. Don't go and end up with Parkinson's and then you can't do this stuff. Like, get it done. Yeah. So that's kind of been a pretty big motivational force as well now nah, that makes a lot of sense and also is there like an element of um almost like connection because there's almost like the physical side that comes through and it's really amazing to test your body and know like how far you can take it and and that and that feeling of they like runners high type thing is like a real thing like yes. and also like the whole type two fun kind of element is is really definitely a thing 
Um, but almost just like the connection with your mind in something like that, where you know that you've gone through a lot, almost, let's say, together. <laughs> There's almost like yeah. two parts. That, like when I've done train for longer stuff and nothing like an Ironman, but I definitely feel like a sense of, um, I'm almost like having a conversation in my head and I feel really good about it and I'm getting clarity in other areas of my life. Like I can, because it, it allows you just to kind of, tap into different areas of your brain I find yeah I mean there is like the the zen of running when you have a really good run and you are just yeah. in a different place it is like being just on another level I mean I, I find you know any so in my day-to-day -day, I'm a creative type um and well I used to be a journalist and now in social media but I've always found that running or biking, not swimming because it's too technical. I can't think when I'm swimming. Mm. <laughs> it's not like that. Um, but certainly running and biking will unlock something. And I've definitely come home and written stories or like yeah. storyboards and things like, like that. But I mean, definitely the mind is such a massive deal with Ironman. I, the last one I did, and I do think it is my last one, but I've said that after everyone, so nobody, nobody <laughs> believe me. But um, and I have I've got a new challenge now. I'm doing something else. But um, so the last one I did in Italy on the run, it was really painful, and and I actually found the whole training really painful, and subsequently decided. Um, so subsequently found out that I have no iron. <laughs> That's why oh. you can't do an iron man with no iron. I had like ridiculous yeah. no iron levels that I tested afterwards and was like they're like, Yeah, so minimum is 30, you've got 15. I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, right, that's pretty low. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it was like that, but in the run, I was literally talking to myself all the time. I was telling my body, I was like, It's okay, I promise I'll never make you do this again. Just 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 give me everything you've got now and I promise you'll never have to do it again. I promise. I just promise you. I, I, I won't make you do it. All right. And then people must have, I, you never know at that point whether you're talking out loud or not. <laughs> people probably thought it was completely crap. Is, but, I bet um, people are shouting all sorts on those races. I just to get to the, <laughs> the latter miles. Yeah, yeah. You've got anything to get through it for sure. Uh, I really liked what you talked about earlier in terms of um, how you kind of knew you were doing it for you and you knew there and then, like, especially in the training, that it was never a part of you that was, like, going to um, gonna give up. And I think I think you pulled out some really nice quotes from, was it Dr. Marcia Reynolds? And you talked about, especially smart, goal-driven women, like, it's about discovering the application of their greatness, especially that probably that time in their life. And the problem yeah. is that kind of no one has defined what greatness really looks like, so that kind of quest has no real specific destination i thought that was like a really brilliant way of portraying a really yeah. strong point she, i mean she's she's incredible um uh, she wrote a book called wonder women that that looks at this this focus massively um and uh, she calls it the burden of greatness and the idea mm. is that somewhere in their late 40s between their there and their kind of early 50s women kind of check out of the workplace a bit because cards are potentially stacked against them they don't yeah. feel they can do their best work so they go somewhere else to look for goals so I think that probably works for me for sure yeah and have you what's it been like in your 10-year kind of let's say career into Ironman I'm not sure that's the right word of career but let's call <laughs> it that for, 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 for this uh, for this purpose have you seen uh you'll have met a lot of women along the way and also you'll have probably seen a significant i'm hoping amount of change in terms of the number of women that were competing at the beginning versus how many are competing now but what's what's that story been like in the world of iron man or maybe just more broadly actually what you've seen in your career and the people you've worked with 
are you also seeing a lot of people in your network that are really pursuing these additional areas or or in the workplaces that even change in the other way that it is allowing more flexibility yeah so <laughs> yes oh my gosh women and um brilliance and so many more actually doing it so yeah there's definitely been an increase and um the numbers show it as well there there are way more women lining up now on the start of these events not only that but oh my god the talent out there is incredible so if i compared um copenhagen my first to italy which is the most recent one the field at italy was ridiculous um the women who raced there were incredible and it it was a really physical shovey race as well so there were a lot of blokes being very blokish in there um and you know obviously of course there are some excellent male athletes etc cetera, etc cetera, but they on the road they they are not always as good a human beings as they should be but you know what like riding with the women we held our own massively and you know there's a lot of technical excellence that women seem to have in Ironman that that on the bike especially that that the men just didn't have so far fewer women coming off um but honestly it was such a good field so I, I placed seventh in my age group in Copenhagen on an 11.09 time and it's a relatively I mean you can't quite compare courses because as you said different weather different there's so many yeah I read a, I read about some of your first ones it sounds pretty tough weather-wise <laughs> for your first and second um, yeah but uh, Italy so I came seventh with an 11.09 time Italy I had a 10.44 it was 10.44 10, yeah it was 10.44 and um like I was 12th the, the field mm, interesting. was insane wow. and I and I remember like the, the few of my friends were watching and watching the women's time and we were chatting afterwards I was like you know I am delighted at that time for all of the challenges I faced this time and the challenges of training this time which I found much harder than any other time I don't even really know why although I suspect it was the iron but um <laughs> For all of that, like they were watching and just saying off the scale, these women were just so good. So amazing. Good. And this and this is just happening in such a quick space of time, right? Like yeah. literally only a I'm, few years, like the pace of change is, is, is pretty dramatic. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, you know, the younger ones are coming up behind. I do actually think my age group is still one of the most competitive. So when I was at Barca, um, that was 2019, I would have won... On my time, I was fifth in age group. I would have won the age group below, the age group below that, and the age group below on that time. So yeah, it's but but women peak in their forties for endurance. So you know, I guess you'd expect that. I was also going to ask you about the kind of is there also just an increase in frequent uh, increase in number of women even in like their early to mid twenties that are coming through, or, or or is it still that kind of demographic of the mid 30s all the way to kind of 50s you think that is still the kind of real core demographic who are almost picking this stuff up later like what's that kind of has, has that changed at all yeah it has people are coming to the sport younger so certainly yeah. you know I, I mean Fiona was in the sport way before me so like really really early so the first woman to compete in Ironman was 1979 Linda Mare um, so so we have been doing it for a while but um, it, it, she was an older 
women like she wasn't in her 20s so actually yeah. that endurance sport was something people tended to pick up later it wasn't a sport many people you know knew about but you you look at like the lucy charles barclays now and you know they're all starting super young and they're doing that endurance and there's way more people coming through like triathlon has grown massively as a sport and obviously the yeah. ultimate in triathlon is going to be iron man and so there's way more people coming through and a lot more talent coming up, whether they make it through or they'll just be too tired and then suddenly they'll drop off in their 40s. I don't know, but... I, I really wonder what the retention rate is of, like, um, people who set themselves up to say, OK, I'm going to do an Ironman. Normally, I'm assuming that people would probably say 18 months from now, <laughs> maybe not as quick as what, what maybe you, how you signed up. But... Um, but I, I assume, I don't know, I think for a lot of people, especially what I imagined before this, speaking to you or before uh, preparing for chatting to you, that a lot of people would just think, right, that's it, do the one and then and then quit. But I guess there is just this element of once you do one, it really wants, it brings you back somehow. Like, What do you think the split is in terms of how many of those like, one-timers, they commit everything for that kind of year or so, and then they do it and then they fall off or... Or does it hook the majority of people and they keep coming back? It's a good question. I reckon, and I have no scientific basis for this, so I would reckon it falls something like if you if your time is quite competitive and you get home in time for dinner, you might do it again. <laughs> if you don't get home in time for dinner, you're like, yeah. You know, if you, a lot of people don't, train I guess to the level I train to do an Ironman they're happy to walk the run they're you know they're just going to make the cutoff times and they just want to tick the box and I did just want to make the finish but I guess I mean look in my mind every night before I race I picture myself winning now that's not going to happen um it would be lovely if I did but that that's how I am that's how I see things so maybe I never was in this if I'm really really honest myself maybe I never was in this for the finish maybe I was always wanted to be competitive or up there or thereabouts um and I guess there are people who are just like you know what I'm either doing this for charity or some other reason some tribute something really personal and you know what they are still giving everything to it but they literally will give everything and that's it. They can't do it again. They just literally, it's, it's always was a one time only. In the back of my mind, I think anyone who's sort of reasonably competitive or, I don't know, it's hard to explain. But I've said to people who I see as similar to me who are doing their first Ironman, I'm like, yeah, that one's yeah. fast. That's yeah, yeah, you just know. You know the way they're training, they know the way the mindset yeah. is, you know what they're like in their personal lives. And yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for instance, and... if my kids turned around and said, I'm doing an Ironman, I guarantee you it wouldn't be their only one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what? how does this, how do you think some of this rubs off with, uh... yeah, because your children have basically known you the entire time as being like yeah. Ironman mum, which is pretty yeah. epic. <laughs> that's what's just the, uh, yeah like what's the um what is the and also have you trained like almost like when you do you taper down a lot like you like in the in the six months or so after an iron man and like and like how does that dynamic change especially with 
family life because I mean it sounds like to be honest you still didn't really it doesn't change the time you see them in many ways because you were you're getting up at half like four o'clock in the morning type thing you get the training done I like your story where you uh you wrote about like they just come down downstairs for breakfast and then you're just finishing there on your 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 indoor bike sweat everywhere and then uh but then you're just into breakfast together so they're not really missed there's no difference in real time I guess but yeah what's the what what are those transitions like in the past kind of years i mean yeah they don't know any different and um even in the off season i'll still be going swimming i'll still do my yoga once a week i still do this i still you know in the off season it's much more like oh mommy please don't go swimming tonight because i need you to do x like yeah sure and they're 11 now so they can really tell me if they need me to to but you know what they don't think about it because like you say, they've never known anything else. They, their, their friends are way more impressed than they are. They're like, oh, like, oh do you want to come and watch this one? No. But, you know, they, it's rubbed off on them in that they never can go, oh, I don't want to go out training for hockey because it's a bit cold. I'm like, well, yeah, you're going. I do. You can. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, exactly. it's not like yeah. they can't turn and say, "Yeah, but you just spend all your time sitting in the lounge watching telly." It's like, "Oh, yeah, no, you do go out in the rain, you do go out in the cold." Yeah, okay, we probably have to do that. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm not sort of a helicopter parent or anything. It's that's that's not how it rolls. But I don't think they could imagine themselves not doing something like sporty, yeah. and that's kind yeah. of the way the way it is for them. And we're kind of an activist family, which makes it sound like so middle class. <laughs> but um, no, like they just my my family's quite sporty and active anyway. So yeah, I mean, behavior just rubs off, right? It's uh, I mean, it's very different telling a child to do something if you're not going to do anything yourself. But if they just yeah. see those closest to them around them, it's just so normalized. It doesn't even come as a, up as a second guess not to want to be committed or competitive or want to take part in certain sports if uh, them and their family are doing it yeah that is well, really interesting i wonder if either of them uh really start picking it up later have they started doing like are they in cross-country clubs or anything like that or is it more so team sport kind of things i have actively not made them pursue triathlon so yeah I it's pretty early swimming. to have done that though yeah swimming yeah so they're well. 11 now yeah. and there are lots of kids that go into the triathlon clubs earlier than that and they yeah, were okay. in a triathlon club doing some swimming but i've never pushed i i, I you know what i really hate not really hate because i don't really hate anyone or anything but <laughs> parents that push kids into their sport to mm. do their sport i was very kind of hands off like you decide what sport you want to do um, yeah. and they both and I've introduced them to different sports and they both settled on hockey so they play hockey and they've played hockey since they were four and they play hockey very very well um and twins so that's <laughs> uh, easy isn't it but though fortunately one went into <laughs> goalkeeper and the other one plays outfield so there's less, uh, less okay. comparison um yeah and uh, they usually play on the same side, which is good because <laughs> uh, they're quite competitive. But yeah, so they've they've gone into something completely different and they enjoy swimming and they'll come running. They do the park run and stuff like that. But they're not. Um, there's been some rumblings. Oh, I'd like to try it. And maybe they will later on. But right now they've they've settled yeah. for hockey. So, um, I, th- yeah. I think there's something wonderful about team sports when you're young, though, like the. 
it's almost one of the biggest lessons I probably took was just like you learn how to lose as like a team in a like in a really nice manner, you know. Like it's I know that you could be in a run club and and you be in a running team and, and a few of you might not do so well or whatever. But like if you're if you've lost a cup final, but you lose it together as a team, it's a really nice lesson. Like. Uh, like lesson learned for life and like how you win together and how you can lose together and if, if that can that often when you see people who like played a lot of team sports when they're younger I feel like you can sometimes see that when they're older like even oh, in the workplace de- definitely like how they can deal yeah how they can deal with that like the, the and, winning the and losing the... it's that kind of being able to play in defence and midfield and still claim the goal when the forward gets it being able to let other people take the glory. You can see that in the workplace because so very few people are capable of doing that, you know, of letting, of playing from defence, playing the ball up and knowing full well that if you hadn't made those moves in defence, you would there would be no goal and yet not being the one with the credit. Being able to be that defender, um, I think it's, in, it's really interesting and, you know, the media plays in goal incredible mental strength that you need in goal you know if, if somebody up front is like oh doesn't quite get the ball in the goal everyone's like oh well you had a good try you know if you let a goal in oh you you had a good try it doesn't happen you know it's no yeah, yeah yeah so yeah yeah i think i think the mental fortitude you get from from playing in a team and you know the ability to work as a team is incredible yeah, absolutely. There's nothing. It, yeah, nothing quite like it, is there? Re- I mean, to really be fair, Iron Man is a team. Like, there's, yes, I was the one yeah. out that day, but frankly, it took um, a coach, my family, um, my poor, my poor sports massage um, <laughs> uh, guy, who's literally put me together after God, I can't even tell you how many times I've completely knackered up my body with surf accidents and bike accidents and DIY accidents. And he's just put me back together every time off I go again. <laughs> so it's a team, it's a team effort. I was going to say, like, in addition to that, because I feel like when a lot of people do think of the training, we probably think of the training first. Nutrition, as you mentioned before, will be critical yeah. as well. But the stuff around it, what else is going into that? I'm sure you must, you have to do the yoga, right? You need to keep nimble yeah. to a certain extent you need to have that flexibility you um yeah as you said how often are you doing things at sports massages and like what else are you kind of doing to support you through that entire training like are you even doing things like meditation just to try and like get the mind kind of free yeah. and focused and um yeah how are you putting all that together yeah like what yes. does that overall kind of training package look like all of that um, so your strength, core strength and stretch is just vital because you'll just fall apart. And, it, you know, if you're going to drop any session, don't let it be your strength and stretch. Mm, drop a run, yeah. drop something else. Um, so I have done yoga since I was 19. My dad got me into oh, it wow. when I was, you know, sort of in my teens. And and then I properly started signing up to classes from the age of 19. And I've done it every week ever since, pretty much, with a few gaps here or there. But I've yeah, always yeah. done it. So that's once a week, nailed on, stretch, but also the meditative side, which is really, really important. Um, and, you know, that's great because that was a sort of pre-existing <laughs> condition or yeah, lifestyle no, or whatever. Yeah. So you're not introducing anything new along with everything else. Um my strength work definitely I injured a bit on my first one but we did have to ramp up quick so 
strength certainly when I was doing Barcelona I did more strength than I'd ever done and I Mm. I definitely felt the benefits of doing a strength session but I've had I've worked with in fact my coach's partner a guy called Sol he's brilliant I've worked with him on all of them bar my um, first one I think Um, and so I have a sports massage you know try to have one every month and then it's a little bit more often as you get to the, the pointy end of training yeah but yeah. you know there's there's as people who've enjoyed sports massages will know there's nothing like sort of having an elbow in one of your glutes for a bit of release <laughs> <laughs> yeah just, yeah exactly ah. so that yeah and, and it you need it you need it because it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter and it just takes an intervention to iron these muscles out because they take a pounding man they really do yeah because your body's been through a, a lot through all these Ironmans and all the training and did you mention you, you also in a bike accident was that was that yeah was I got hit when, by a when was car that? just so 2018 first day at work after Christmas cycling back um sorry cycling into work <laughs> and uh, a car I was going along and a car just suddenly turned uh left straight in front of me and through the air i went oh and landed holy shit on my head <laughs> oh my god so, yeah it wow. was um it's one of those like you know those really slow motion moments it's like uh-oh yeah. this isn't gonna end well and then <sighs> oh gosh am i i'm still alive oh phew wow how is that Mentally and also like recovery wise, like how, what happened in the aftermath of that? So after that, I ended up. It, it's really weird because you never really know what you've hurt at the time when you're on the ground. Mm. My thumb really hurt, but turns out that was the least bad injury. But it was oh, really gosh. badly, bru- like it was bruised, so it just yeah, hurt. yeah. And obviously, I'd lost a bit of skin on elbows and shoulders and hips and knees and things. But um, yeah, I ended up with post concussive syndrome which um, okay. is wow. concussion plus so you wow. you you hit your head you get concussed um but but what happens is the concussion doesn't really go away for a very long time so oh, i had really blinding headaches for about six months oh, I, you, all of the paracetamol you could have i i took every day until they went away yeah. and then i ended up with ptsd um, which I didn't really realise I had. And then I started going out for a run and if like someone was putting out their bin and it sort of came yeah. in from the side where I'd been hit and it made a noise, I literally jumped 20 feet oh into my, the air oh and be like, gosh, yeah. oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was just like, this is quite strange. And, and I would just start getting a bit like freaked out by stuff that wouldn't normally freak me out. And I did sort just of... Anxiety and it just anxiety and yeah but but it like you don't know what's normal because getting hit by a car isn't normal so how should i feel i don't know maybe this is normal to feel like this after you got hit yeah right so i don't know um and then you know when i was crossing the road sometimes i'd get a trigger of just going okay i need to get i I, i'm too close to the right i can't i can't i don't like being here kind of thing so i went to the doctor and they said oh you know refer yourself to you can do a self so I'm in Richmond Borough and referred myself and, and actually they were incredible the mental health service here um I must oh, okay. have That's filled in a questionnaire and they said okay phone me up and they said yeah I think you've got PTSD 
and so yeah wow. we did some cbt and sorted it all out it was great oh wow sorted hey, well, and then got back on the bike eventually i was gonna say it's like <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna kind of I was eventually gonna get to because i didn't know the, actually the extent of the story of um the crash and i'm really sorry to hear about that it sounds pretty yeah, traumatic to be honest i'm alive um, it's, it's good yeah yeah was that did that then become one of the hardest things in your Ironman career? Like, I feel like after something like that, I don't know, it, I can't, I, I, I literally, obviously, I can't put myself in your shoes, but was would there be something that would stop me thinking about going on the bike that often, changing my routes? Because like, it sounds like you obviously put your training in also partly by literally doing the commutes and stuff. Like, that's yeah. literally how, how you're able to get the hours in that you need. If you remove the commutes, then basically... I don't know how that's going to work anymore, but uh, I'm sure you'd find a way because you you, uh, you you would. But mentally, how was that recovery, and how did that impact you wanting or needing to come back into doing the the last Ironman? It didn't, and it did. So still, if I've been off the bike for a while and I commute, which goes back past that mm. spot every time, I'll be nervous. Yeah, I'll be nervous, um, and that's that's normal. That you know that's obviously going to be normal but no it was like well this is who I am this is what I do so I'm gonna do Mm. it and actually the the therapy I had after it was so good went back visited the scene my counselor came with me she was incredible um yeah I still um salute the spot every time I drive past it a cycle oh wow okay um and and it's just a it helped and and I touch my shoulder and it helps me to remember okay I crashed there and I'm still physically here because I can feel my shoulder Mm. it's fine all good um and show it some respect because you know you should um so yeah I just sort of it did take me a while to come back and again my coach was incredibly helpful if the year before we met actually she'd had something similar so I knew how it felt to recover because when she was recovering I went out biking with her past her accident scene and so I'd sort of done it before and so had she so like she could help um and you know, knew how to to do it, and in fact, when I went back out on my bike for the first time, guess who I went with? Uh, yeah. Sophie and I went out together, and it was all fine. And then you just sort of build up, like anything, you just build up sensibly, and then you're back on it, and it and it's all okay. And no, it, you know, part of the therapy is that kind of whole things like this. You, you didn't die; you're alive. So why would you then be alive and not do the stuff you love? Well, you wouldn't, right? So you build, you build back up to it and, um, yeah, I eventually, it, it, you know, like I say, I'm still conscious of that very spot when I commute, but it doesn't stop me doing anything and being out on the bike. I mean, being out on the bike's kind of scary anyway, especially when you're a woman, it's not like you get a lot of abuse. It's quite funny. It's not funny. It's actually. You still, is cool. that still happening now even? That's really, that sounds awful. Oh, yeah. yeah that's horrific. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny. Mostly, you, you, you live in London, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just, I've been, been out of cycling in London for like, yeah, for so many years, but that I can't. It's almost it's weird to put myself back there because the roads when I'm cycling here and I go along with my girlfriend, she goes out by herself. And honestly, like, I mean, very privileged, very lucky, but like my girlfriend's never come back home and, and said that before. Like just no. because of the nature of like where she's cycling. So it's really sad. 
it's it's not just london it's out sort of towards the surrey hills and stuff and Mm, okay you know people call you all sorts of things that it's like i'm just riding a bike dude really yeah (laughs) but like you know it it it's i've been out so i ride with you know fee a lot and other friends and yeah you can you can be riding exactly the same way as a group of men in front of you and people will holler at you from their car or whatever they're driving and then go past the group of men in front of you and say nothing. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's really sad this is still happening and it sounds like it's going to stay for a while. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It, what, what's your community like in terms of... Um the people you have around you in the sport in particular, is it, is it mostly women you talked a lot about fee and and a few others and how important is the community aspect, especially now that you're kind of four Ironmans in, you are kind of (laughs) looking at times, you're looking at the, the field, you know, like I'm sure you're probably following a few people on Strava, seeing what time they're doing in the, in the lead up maybe, I don't know, might not be, but. Do you know what? I resolutely don't. I race inside my own head, but. Um, and I race against myself really that that's it um, but I have found that I so I've got one really cool training partner who I've been training with um, for a few years now mainly in the swim but he's brilliant he's an absolute superstar he's got a ridiculous marathon time of like two hours something I won't run with him oh gosh like, I'd die <laughs> yeah. he would kill me he would be like okay hang on a minute like can you just walk for about an hour um yeah I honestly I it's it scares me so much when I meet somebody and they've told me a time and I'm like oh my god I think you can do I can't do one mile at the same pace as 26 of yours <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. That's exactly. kind of scary. He, it's like who's that guy who's that guy <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Um, but he's also like a, a brilliant human who would never make you feel like that guy. You know, he, he's he's just so nice and he's got such a good attitude to his training. It's not about winning or beating people. It's just about the process and how far you can push yourself and what you can do. And we swim together and we push each other within the limits of what we want to train at. Um, and it's And it's just it's not about racing the person in the other lane. It's about doing a really good, solid training session. You get out of the pool, your lungs aren't on the bottom of it because you're going to train later. You know, it's not, it's not that kind of training. And so I have tended to um, surround myself by people who are big enough to train sensibly and not to let their kind of racing and competitive and ridiculous sort of (laughs) instincts get to them because you can't afford to break yourself training in in this sport it's just not the way it works um, yeah this is yeah exactly that that's really interesting and i think that's just such a good approach do you, how much of an impact has all of this had do you think on your personal and also even work life because you've it feels like you've learned a lot yeah. through this process i mean i mean you've you've started generally and it seems like you've always continued this because you you've done it for you uh, in terms of the way that you've approached the training, the way that you approach the races, you're not out there. To, it doesn't matter to someone, a faster time of you, whatever it might be. But And that's also a really nice approach to life. All within the realm of being competitive to a certain extent, because it helps. But um, like the how, what lessons have you learned throughout that entire kind of process 
and, and how have you applied or if have you applied them at all to other realms of life? Oh, I mean, it has been transformative for sure. Like I am, I am this sport now in, in a sense. It, it, mm. it sounds odd to say, but, you know, things like you, you can take, and I, and I talk to my team about it and things like that. Like you can only do what you do. You've done enough. Whatever happens next will happen next. Next, You've done yeah. the work you know even to kind of like job interviews and things like that it's like look if if you are as good as you are you've done the research you know your stuff if it works out great if it doesn't also great you know it will just be Mm. what it will be and to just be a little bit relaxed about stuff it really is a marathon and not a sprint you can't just go headlong at life it's not going to work you know there is always a way if you just stand back and look at okay i've got all this to do so what decision can i make now to make sure that i can do all of that and that that's very iron man behavior um and also just that adversity like this is horrific this moment right now i hurt more than i've ever hurt before but it will end it will end there is a finish line might be Mm. a really long way away it will end and you will get through it and then you'll be able to have like a beer or whatever but there's always an end you know so it's things like that it's that adversity and the endurance and the toughing it out and the you know what just keep trying just keep trying you you can do it it's not like i people say to me oh i could never do an iron man it's like you could never do an iron man if you don't want to if you want to do a my Iron Man, yes, absolutely, you could. No question. It, you just don't want to. It's not that you are. You, it's not that you can't. Yeah, that's really interesting. What are some of the most common, like when you get into the a conversation about being an athlete, like you are in Iron Man, whether it's uh, you do a new project at work, you just met some new people, they talk to you like, oh, you do Iron Man, holy shit! Like, what's almost the first comments, the questions, they're like the perceptions uh, well, uh like what, what, it, what, it, what it comes across most commonly and how's that also changed even in the last kind of few years yeah what's that I'd love to so, like it's good. yes uh almost invariably if they're male and they've done one they want to tell me their time immediately without ever asking me money. oh gosh really um, oh my god yeah which which is like and then they're men like, are so oh, shit aren't they? and what's your time what's your time and you're yeah. like oh well i've done these times they're like oh okay i never want to talk to you again anymore uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but but that's one the one i get a lot an awful lot is oh don't you ever get upset they don't call it iron woman um to which i always reply no because it'd be twice a lot twice as long and you'd have to do the run while being asked by a four-year-old what why why but when <laughs> So that's my kind oh. of standard answer for that one. Love um, that. Yeah. But yeah, they, they tend to be um, the two the two kind of big, biggest responses I usually yeah, get. Okay. You know, oh, well, here's what I've done, or wow, um, you know that. But I, I mean, a lot of a lot of women are like, oh, I don't know, because I have more female friends that I would talk to, you know not because they are women just because of they're like oh, yeah. oh my gosh i don't know how you do it um mm. that's that's always a pretty common one i don't know how you do it yeah i can imagine i can imagine that for sure yeah yeah um yeah. and i don't know how, how do you how do you yeah because it's a difficult <laughs> one to respond to because 
especially if they're like to a certain they're close they're close in proximity to a certain extent and yeah and you probably know that they've got like their own child or whatever and you it's really difficult to say well you can <laughs> just get up early yeah or like, <laughs> yeah yeah well you're just not trying hard enough you know? yeah, 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 nobody exactly. needs to hear that it's just like, well yeah you know i'm not really sure either but hey you know there you go you know what I, I sort of think everybody's incredible in their own way everyone's t- toughing it out somehow aren't they that you know even you got to know when you're winning some days just making it through the day is winning you, you know you're not feeling it that week you're having a horrible week you know perhaps somebody close to you is ill and your your children are going for a rough time or whatever and you getting to the end of the week can feel like you know an iron man I mean, I've so I've started a new challenge. I'm <laughs> I started playing hockey. Uh, ah, so amazing! Twenty five years after I um, uh, last set foot on a hockey pitch, which didn't end well because I ended up uh, busting my knee and needing a knee reconstruction. So um, I've gone back Ouch. to the pitch, and actually, I played my first game yesterday. Oh, congrats! Frankly, How did it go? Oh my god, I can barely walk today. <laughs> I went to tie my shoelace earlier and had to sit on the sofa and try and bring my foot up to, to reach it. Oh my god! And which actually, I felt as I felt bar bar Copenhagen, which I felt terrible afterwards. I'm actually no, possibly Vichy. I felt worse after playing one game of yeah. hockey um, than I did after either Barcelona or Italy. It's the shock. Like when you work different stuff, it's mental. Like it, even even though you're doing all your core work, you're doing your strength work. If you just participate in like a, a different sport entirely, it's wild how much of an impact you. Like your body just knows. It's like you really did something yesterday you haven't done in a long time. Even though like, like was... well, the muscle should be ready. Like I've, I've got the endurance. Like why is this not? Um, what's going on? Yeah, that's uh, it, it's that's in- crazy. insane. I sprinted an entire length of the pitch because, you know, obviously I think I'm still 18 and I'm clearly a little older <laughs> than that. Um, and I was absolutely on my knees. It's like, so I mean, you run marathons at the end of like 180k of biking and like 3.8k of swimming. Yeah. And you've just run the length of the pitch and you're, you've just been owned. <laughs> it's like, yeah, different sports wow. are different <laughs> need different strengths. But you know that that there's a woman who's seventy five. She's still playing in that team. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, wow, love that. I think this is partly it, yeah, like finding that kind of passion, isn't it? Where for the person that does say to you, I can't imagine how you do it. It's likely just because they just have been a bit unfortunate enough. Maybe they haven't searched, but to a certain extent of like just finding that goal for themselves or that passion for themselves because if you do find it you somehow can make the time and it's very different for very different people um but it's awesome that you have found that and it's also great that you're kind of finding these new goals what what do you think the next five ten years might look like in terms of sporting aspirations in particular is it now to go uh, uh, hoarding a little bit on hockey are you going to keep telling people you're not going to do an Ironman for the next three months but then still do one in <laughs> In in eighteen months, what what do you think? It, how do you think it might pan out? Oh gosh! At the moment, I really don't know because I mean, I think now I'm taking the iron tablets, I might start to feel different because it was just yeah. You know, oh, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, no. You're talking me into it now. Yeah. So in two years, no. Uh, all right. So 
I may have my eye on, it's not an Ironman, it's Alpe d'Huez, which is um, not far from you, actually. Um, So it is a, what do you do? You swim in a very cold lake at the bottom. Um, You you do the, basically, I think it's the tour stage, the Alpe d'Huez. So you bike up to the top. And then you do a run at the top and it it's sort of a it's a it's a bit of a odd kind of half Ironman in terms of distance. So it's not as far, but it's pretty brutal and it's trail running and it's it's, yeah, it's obviously lots of vertical going on. Yeah. So the, that, that the going up is an absolute killer. It's an entirely <laughs> different thing. Like the I can I can run for like almost four times longer if it was flat versus something that would be even just yeah. three, four hundred, five hundred meters going up. Like it's just an entirely different thing. And depending on how high you go, obviously the whole like, aspect of breathing and everything else changes. So that is a really yeah. cool and interesting new challenge. Yeah. It, I think it's really it, interesting it, to see how many different risks are coming out now actually with There's a lot. Yeah. I mean there's the whole Attilo and all of that. It's I mean, yeah, you are in the playground for all of that stuff. Like trail, I've got a friend who did Iron Man who's now like you doing the trail runs and you know doing silly things in Switzerland like just running up a, a glacier or something crazy like that. But, yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of crazy. One called I think the Inferno. I think that's like seven different disciplines or something, including like you do some roller skates, you do you do some of the traditional like the, the running and stuff. But yeah, wow. it's like seven. It's like seven different disciplines or something. Uh, I think that's what it is. Or maybe it's called maybe it's called something different, but the Inferno is one. Yeah, and again it's one of those that it doesn't seem that long in distance, but actually to really do it because of the incline and stuff that you have to go up as well and, and because of the different types of sports and specialities, I think it looks pretty brutal. Um but that is uh, that looks pretty nuts. Yeah. Um anyway, this has been amazing. I, I wanna ask you maybe one more question if if that's all right, and then yeah, if yeah. anything else you want to kinda of share before we close up, that would be yeah, that'd be lovely. But I guess I kind of like based on the journey you've been on and the path you've taken, like what would be that kind of like one piece of advice that you would uh, share to somebody who was thinking of kind of starting a new journey in their life? It doesn't necessarily need to be a sporting thing, but yeah, like people looking for a change, they know inside of themselves that they do need to uh, change something, uh, do something for themselves probably. What, what would be your one piece of advice to kind of just kickstart that process? You absolutely can. You absolutely can. Simple as that. You absolutely will do it and you can. Don't give up. Keep trying. Um, I know it sounds really naff, but I think it's um, impossible is nothing, I think, is Iron Man's um, Mm. like kind of slogan. And it it really is that simple. You can do it. Just got to get on and and do. And, um, you know, really, 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 if there's one muscle that's more important than any other, and I know like all the biologists out there will go, it's not a muscle. <laughs> um, but if there's one muscle that you need to work on more than anything, it's your brain. That's the only yeah. thing that will stop you. Your body will do it. Your brain will tell you it can't, but your body will do it. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. Awesome. Hey, anything else we should quickly touch on before we, we wrap up? I think that's I think that's it before I go and start Google searching other challenges that I could do. Mentals, Swiss races, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's the hardest thing I could do on a on a mountain. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Zoe, that was amazing. And it's amazing to 
meet you. I feel really privileged to have had the chance to just speak to you for just over an hour. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And um, yeah, you're a real inspiration. It's, uh, it's awesome. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, it's been a, a joy. Yeah, I hope we can cross paths again at some point in the future. So bye for now, we'll say. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll definitely um, find a way to have a beer or something at some point. Yeah, we'll come out to Switzerland and do a crazy race. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much. Cheers. Thank you for listening, everyone. Beyond the Adventure is available on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit beyondtheadventure.com for all the relevant links. If you get a moment, please share with your friends and family. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to come onto the podcast, please reach out to me either by email on gareth at beyondtheadventure.com through the website of beyondtheadventure.com or reach out via my personal social media. My handles across Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn are all Gareth Brown UK. Thanks again, everyone, and bye for now.